Thank you for joining us today. And uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of our life group leaders here. And uh, Jim is back from vacation, I believe, but he's not here yet. He will be back next week, continuing us on through our study in the book of Philippians, Embrace Joy. But today we're going to continue on through Philippians, and we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. So if you have your Bibles and you want to take them out, this is your time, take them out. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12. is Well, we're going to start in verse 12. We'll get to 16 in a minute. But we're going to start in verse 12. It's on page 1,258 in my Bible. But if you want to go ahead and turn there in yours, that would be wonderful. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider uh, that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward uh, to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any uh, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is God's word. Let's pray really quick. Father, we thank you so much for speaking to us today. We thank you for speaking us through your word. And we ask that you continue to teach us, to help us to to know you more and to uh, grow closer to you through the words that you have to speak to us today. Father, we just, uh, we look forward to that. We anxiously await it. And Father, we just ask you help myself to, to get out of the way and your words to ring true. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in, in this section of scripture that we're looking at here, I have, uh, Paul is basically... He's basically telling the Philippians the same thing that we looked at in last week in uh, chapter 3 at the beginning part, verses 1 through 11. And he's kind of saying the same thing just in a new way. And there's a few extra nuggets of wisdom in there. And Paul is talking about, the, he's talked about the importance last week, the importance in verse 8 of uh, knowing Christ more and sharing in the power of his resurrection and sharing in his sufferings. Because in verse 8 it says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And here this week in 13 he's saying, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is is running towards God. He is running towards Christ with a reckless abandon. With a reckless abandon. He doesn't care what's happened in his past. He doesn't care what's behind him. He considers, you know, all, all things rubbish to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ and pursuing him. Knowing Christ and pursuing him. Now, I have a few issues here with Paul in chapter, uh, chapter three here, verse 12. And it says right here, it says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. And for a second I go, Paul, do you know who you're talking about, man? Do you know that you, do you know who you're talking about? It reminded me of the scene, reminded me of the scene in Hook. I don't know how many of you have seen this movie. Hopefully you have. It's a childhood favorite of mine. But it reminds me of the scene when Wendy is stand, is sitting there before Peter and he says, says, Peter, don't you know who you are? 
don't you know who you are, Paul? Don't you know who you're talking about? Don't you know you are Paul? Formerly Saul of Tarsus, you were a Jewish Pharisee. You were, you had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. You had your sight taken from you in which you had then later had it restored by the power of God. You made a trip then to Jerusalem and learned at the defeat, the feet of the disciples that actually walked around this earth with Jesus. You then spent the rest of your life going all over the known world, all over the Mediterranean, planting churches everywhere and writing letters up the wazoo, getting thrown in prison over and over and over again, being beaten, uh, praying for people and having people come back from the dead. And those letters in which he wrote are in the Bible. We're looking at one of them now. So if Matt Sidley was going to place a stamp of approval on anyone in scripture that I, or anyone in life that I know that I would say, this person has made it. This person has arrived. It is Paul. And here Paul says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or, uh, or am already perfect. Paul's not a finished product yet. He's not, he's not perfect. He hasn't made it. He hasn't reached the end. He's still working towards it. He still has things to work on. He presses on and he reaches out to embrace Christ because Christ has embraced me. Because it says, I press on to make it my own, not because Christ has made, uh, not because I made it my own, but because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He's reaching out for Christ and wants to embrace Christ as Christ is embraced him. And this is where I was thinking about it here in chapter three. If we go back to just that embrace of Christ. And that's where I was thinking about the name of our sermon series for this through Philippians is embrace joy. And as we looked back, if you checked on, uh, the, uh, my, no, lpcoli.com. Sorry. I totally just blanked on the website. I should have that ingrained in my memory by now, but the lpcoli.com look at our past sermon series before we were in the book of Philippians, we were looking at the fruit of the spirit and how they are attributes of God. One of which is joy. And joy is an attribute of God is a characteristic of God is part of who he is. It's his nature and embracing joy is another way of basically saying embrace Christ, embrace God. And here Paul is doing that. He's running to embrace them. In verse 13, it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I haven't made it my own. Just as he had talked about in the previous weeks, that this is nothing based upon he has done. This is everything that God has done. It isn't by any of his works. It isn't by any of his stature. It isn't by anything that he's done to attain this. It is entirely the work of God. I haven't made it my own, but one thing I do, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So this straining forward, forgetting what lies behind. It's not caring about what happened before. It's not caring about the past. As he talked about last week, I consider all things. I consider all things loss, rubbish, compared to the surpassing Worth, the surpassing greatness, the surpassing wonderfulness that is knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He strains for it. 
He stretches out. There's kind of, you know, there's, there's kind of some of this imagery of like a race where it's just like I'm straining forward, like, you know, just reaching for that finish line. He's pressing on towards this, this heavenly calling that it says here on toward the goal of the prize for the upward call of God, the call of heaven, the call to life with him, life eternal. And so, he uses this words, you know, this imagery of a race here. There's kind of this picture of a race, but I think it's probably a more accurate picture. I, I see a different picture that's been coming into my mind this last week that is a much earlier step in one's race. Much earlier step. And I was thinking about this. When I was thinking about when my, my daughter, my oldest, learned to walk. I don't know how many of you have had children and have gotten to experience the joy that it is when your children learn to walk for the first time. And then, you know, later you realize that it's sheer terror because now they can move and they're not just, you know, stationary. Up to that point, you kind of put them down and they can't move anywhere. And life was wonderful. And now you've taught them to walk and they can go all over the place. But when you're teaching them to walk, I don't know if you've ever had this or experienced this where, you know, they're learning to walk and they're pulling themselves up on things. But sometimes you have to, like, entice them. You have to motivate them. You have to give them something that they want to walk towards. So you got the grandparents over and they're sitting on the couch. And you say, watch this. Isn't this so cool? And dad's down there on the floor, like, five feet away with his hands reaching out. And mom's got the fingers, you know, holding the fingers down like this. I don't know how low the camera goes, so you might not be able to see my hands, but he's got the fingers holding, and their you know, child's waddling forward, and then they let go of the fingers, and they run. They walk. They stumble towards their dad. They stumble towards, and sometimes they fall. They fall a lot. They're learning to walk. They fall over and over and over again, but they don't fall and just be like, all right, I'm done with this. They pick them back up, and they go again. And they go again, and they run, and they walk into their father's arms. And I just picture, I picture this as this type of walking and this type of running that Paul's talking about. Because one thing that both babies learning how to walk and professional athletes that run have in common is they have perseverance. It takes it takes time. They, they don't learn to walk right away. They don't become a great marathon runner right away. It takes perseverance. It takes effort. They have to keep going. They can't worry about the failures that they had. They have to keep pressing on and improving every day and focusing on the goal that is before them. And the prize that Paul uh, is talking about is an eternal one. He's looking forward to an eternal prize. And that his race won't be over his race that he's running, as he's talking about, won't be over until he meets Jesus again face to face. Face to face. And that's where I was, you know, as I was reading this this last week and previous weeks, because I've, I've known this section's coming for some time. And then I asked that question of myself, do I, do I live like this? Do I? Do you? Do us? Do we live like this? Now, I don't know about you guys. I have to, this is where it's going to get a little personal. But this whole COVID pandemic thing, it's, it's changed my life. It's, it's altered my routines. My, my life personally, I haven't been affected by uh, a loss of someone close in my life. I've known, I've heard of, of members in our church that have had loss of loved ones. But for myself, I, COVID, when it first came out, I was treating it like a vacation mode. 
Like things are changing, things are different. It's time to, you know, socially distance and isolate yourself in your home and all these things. So I was doing that. I entered vacation mode. And for me, I don't know about what vacation mode means to you, but vacation mode to me is when it's, this is my time to relax when it's all about me. Because I'm going on vacation. I need to recharge. I have to do all these things. I was thinking about it. It's like a race car. So, uh, you know, it, it's like this, this came in and it's like a race car pulling in for a pit stop. But I didn't pull in for, I didn't use this time as a pit stop to like refuel my race car with fuel and get some new tires. I was like a race car driver that hopped out of his car during the race, went to the concession stand and decided to get some nachos and then hang out and sunbathe for a little while. I took this opportunity, like my routine was just like obliterated. And my routine was obliterated. Like I didn't find myself spending as much time in God's word. I didn't find myself listening to podcasts at work, uh, you know, from various speakers that I have. Like I took a break from God, basically. I don't know if you've done the same. It was my excuse for kind of taking a break from everything. And that's where I go, Matt, what on earth were you doing? Here Paul is in prison. He's in prison. Now I've had to be quarantined a couple times because I had to go in for some COVID tests because I had symptoms, wasn't sure if I had it, right? And they tell you to isolate, quarantine yourself even from your family. Here Paul is in prison. And he is still working for the timely advance of the gospel. He's writing letters. He's writing letters. He's interacting with the jailers. He's interacting with the people that he has in contact with. Jail did not stop him on his mission to advancing the kingdom of God. I was thrown off track by COVID. Maybe you have too. And that this isolation, this quarantine is not an excuse. It's not an excuse. We understand like there's a lot of different things out there. Maybe COVID hasn't thrown you off track. Maybe you've lived in a life in a situation. I think about also like, you know, I'm planning for retirement. Like I'm not that old yet, but I'm looking forward into the future. Maybe you've reached retirement age and you've reached the time when which you've been planning your future. You've been planning for all the things that you're now going to do. And part of your retirement is taking a, a break from God. It's taking a break from his mission and his kingdom and his advance. Maybe you, you've been around the church for a while, and this is another one that I find myself sometimes falling into. Like, I've grown up in the church since I was young. I don't remember not ever being part, uh, being, uh, with the body of Christ from when I'm growing up, where you feel that you, as, as Paul said, you've made it on your own. I've made it. I've arrived. Maybe I've, I've served in children's ministries for so long that I've paid my dues. And now it's someone else's turn. Yes, it's possible you might need to change roles and do something differently, but the finish line, the finish line is not retirement. It's not once you've reached a certain level of spiritual maturity or maturity, whatever you want to call it, reached a certain level where you get to say that I'm done. If you're still living and breathing, if you're still here, Paul, as he had said here, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. While he's still alive, he knows that he has fruitful ministry opportunities to be a part of, even if he's in prison. So if we are still alive, we have fruitful ministry opportunities for us to be a part of. And COVID and isolation and quarantine, whatever words you want to use to describe it, 
shouldn't stop us. Shouldn't stop us. And so here Paul's saying that I didn't do this perfectly. Man. I don't know about you, but I sure don't do this perfectly. I don't want to make you think that out like Matt's up here talking to you about this. Matt must have it all together. Paul didn't have it all together. I don't have it all together. I'm pretty sure Jim doesn't have it all together either. And he'll be here next week. And if I was wrong, and he does, he can correct me or Evan or any other pastors on staff. They don't have it all together. They don't do it perfectly either. They're a work in progress as well. So we strain and we stretch and we press forward. Not to earn it but to receive the joyful embrace of our Savior. It says in verse 15, Let those of you who are, who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Or, excuse me, also to you. That this is the attitude. Paul's describing here that he's trying to teach the Philippian church is this is what a mature attitude looks like in a believer. This is what a mature attitude looks like of a Christ follower. <clears throat> Eugene Peterson, in the message translation, he talks about this like this. He says, so let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. You'll see it yet. For myself, I ask this question, and, I, and as and that's where I go as I prepare to speak to you. The questions I'm asking myself and that I ask you are the same questions I ask myself. Do we act like this as believers? Do we have an eternal perspective in mind in the things that we're doing? Or are we focused on the short gain, the personal gain? Do we have anything else in mind other than total commitment to Christ? Does Christ only, is he only here? Like, is this your Christ hour or your Christ hour and a half, depending on how long the sermon goes, if this pastor is long-winded, right? Maybe just life group time. Or does Christ have an effect? Is he part of your life all the time? Not just on Sunday mornings. Is he Lord of your life now? Is he Lord of your life during the Seahawks game? Is he Lord of your life you know, during your work schedule? Is he Lord of your life when you're at home with your children and your family? In verse 16, it says, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let us hold true to what we've had attained. I've heard it said, just having grown up in the church over over many, many years, that what we, uh, we don't need to hold out for divine revelation on what God has already plainly said in his word. What he's plainly said in his word. We get to hold true to Christ. Jesus said when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is equal to it, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't have to hold out for divine revelation to find out from God if I should love my neighbor. I don't have to hold out for divine revelation to find out if I should love my enemies. Father, what does it look like for me to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, with my whole being, with all my efforts, as Paul talks about running with reckless abandon for the embrace, to embrace Christ. 
Not worried about the things in your past and the hindrances and things that you've, you've stumbled over or fallen upon. All those things, just put them aside. Clear them out of your way and focus on Jesus. Knowing him and knowing him more. Knowing him more. Let us hold true to what we have attained. Do we, do we know what we've attained? Do we know God's words? Do we know what he's saying? Do we know what he's told us? I was thinking as, as we were singing, um, there's a story if you look in, uh, in Acts about the Philippian jailer. And when, uh, Paul was in prison, it was in the midnight hour that they were singing praises to God. Here it's in the midnight hour and he's in jail. He's been imprisoned. He's been imprisoned for God's word, for the message that he's been proclaiming about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here in the midnight hour, he's singing praises to God. I was reminded of the song by Sonic Flood that came out in my youth, where the chorus says, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. I want to touch you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. I am reaching for the highest goal that I might receive the prize, pressing onward, pushing every hindrance aside, out of my way, because I want to know you more. When we're done today, you should like Google that, Sonic Flood, I want to know you more, because you'll hear them sing it in a much better way. I thought about singing it for you today, and I decided it was better not to, because, you know, I will gladly get up in front of you and speak, but getting up in front of you and singing I'm bolting for the exit. I'm out of here. But do we want to know God? Do we pursue God in wanting to know him more? That that's what it's all about. Philippians, what Olympians, Lacians, Tumwaterians. I don't even know what we'd call the other people of Washington. Do we want to know God more? Do we live our lives accordingly where we... We run towards Christ to embrace him. And it's out of that embrace and being in his arms that we get to, we get to do so much and be a part of so much that we get to experience life to the fullest. And we get to experience life to the fullest. And I look forward to the coming days and weeks and months and years as we get to experience that to the fullest together. Because God has much ministry before us, many opportunities before us even in a time when it seems like opportunities might be limited. There are opportunities to write emails, communicate with people over social media, socially. There are ways in which we can still be involved in ministry during this time. And I would pray and I would challenge you and I challenge myself that we look for those opportunities and that we would pursue them and pursue Christ with a reckless abandon. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the the cool, clean air that's blowing outside. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we had together to gather and look at your words. Father, we thank you that you, uh, you, you used Paul as your missionary, as your ambassador to bring the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to those that were not of Jewish descent, to the rest of the world, Father, I thank you that he was willing to participate in the mission. 
Father, I ask that you help us to be a church that we are willing to participate in the mission and that we, we don't be Christians that sit on the sideline and just want to consume content. We just want to hear more. We just want to see more. Father, that we would be believers that are, that our faith has moves us into action. Father, and I just pray that you'd be with us in these coming weeks as our, the inspection is coming and, and Father, the opportunity to meet again here in person in the building is coming for the first time. Father, I ask that you would be with us this week. Help us to know you more. Help us to love you. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.